Alrighty, folks, we are ALIV Alive and kicking here with Ramblings of a Grappleman's presentation of Elite Edition. Nick Braxton joining me here. Nick, how you doing today? Doing great. Just got to watch a pretty good episode of AEW Dynamite last night and ready to review it with you. Absolutely. Uh, anything, anything new you want to plug real quick before we jump right into it? Nah, well, we could talk a little bit about Impact, because Impact on Tuesday, Kenny Omega did show up, and we will be getting Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega at the Rebellion pay-per-view, so just a little crossover there, uh, him and uh, him being Kenny Omega and Don Callis had a pretty long-winded promo on Impact, which uh, Impact is actually moving to Thursday nights, April 8th, so back in their original night uh Time slot as well, night and time slot, eight o'clock on Access TV. But does other that than that, have any, does that have anything to do with NXT moving to Tuesdays in the future? I would assume so. I mean, it only makes logical sense. Yeah. Um, I bet I would assume there's a lot of crossover in that uh, fan base, NXT and Impact, because those yeah. are some more of the diehard brands. Uh, you really have to. Some people really are gonna go out of their way to watch Impact, but. No, probably for the better. I mean, yeah, why there's... go up against them? You know where you stand right now, and no need to go head to head. They they did that once. <laughs> Haven't been the same since. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you'll have a different product on um, every night of the week. You'll have Raw, NXT, AEW, Impact, and then SmackDown, and then yep. uh, you, you know with the, then the online shows to boot. So. Pro wrestling is very plentiful if you're looking to find it. Speaking of a plentiful... You can swing a dead cat and hit a pro wrestling show. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of plentiful, this AEW Dynamite was loaded with uh, a lot of content, plentiful action, and um, it had a, it had about as uh, plentiful action as I started to get. A dream match, some might say. I mean, it, this, well, first of all, let's set the stage. It's the world title eliminator match. It's Kenny Omega with Don Callis, who will be on commentary for this match, taking on Matt Seidel uh, with his brother Mike on the outside. This match was set up on the first episode of AEW Dark Elevation. And basically, Matt Seidel gets a win, picks up a victory tonight. He will get a future title shot. He will be the next person to get a title shot against Kenny Omega. And I will say, this was a good back and forth and hell of an athletic match, but this is, to me, Matt Seidel's best outing since he's arrived in AEW. Uh, absolutely, uh, I'll agree with that on uh, Seidel's best outing. Um, he hasn't really had. He kind of came in. We talked about this last week. Kind of came in and they started teaming with his brother, and he seemed lost in the shuffle very much. And uh, this was a good match for him, and he had a really strong showing. I liked the way he was booked in this match uh, with a lot of near falls. I'm sure you're going to get into uh, the, the blow-by-blow blow here. Yeah, I, just a lot of good back-and-forth action. Uh, at one point, Matt Seidel went for a top-rope Rana, and Kenny just basically pushed him over his head where uh, where Matt Seidel took a bump, hit both ropes like a split-leg moonsault, basically, without going for a split-leg moonsault. And uh, that was a really unique counter for that situation. I hadn't seen that before. That was really nice. Matt Seidel had a – he hits one of those weird 
roll-ups. I can't even explain it, really. It's where he swings his legs out and around and back. Uh, and then right after that roll-up, he hit the lightning spiral for two quick near falls. Really good near fall action there. Matt Seidel really sold his back well during this yeah. match, too. Uh, Kenny Omega, they they talked early on this in this match that uh, how good of a striker he is and how explosive he is. And it's funny when I say, you know, Kenny's explosive. And, and I could show this. Um, I could show these shoulder tackles or shoulder blocks he was throwing at Matt Seidel to show this in this match. They were like, they sounded like shotguns. He was holding the wrist control and hitting that shoulder tackle. Yeah. Bringing them back. It was, it was really nice. Very much like a Scott Hall type of move there you'd see, but the way Kenny Omega was doing it was, it, it looked far more devastating than when Scott Hall was doing it. It looked like he was actually taking the, trying to take the shoulder off of, of Matt Seidel. I, I did, I did think that was a very good spot. I just thought Kenny Omega Looked really well for the most part in this match. He could, it had a good pace. It didn't seem like he was trying to do too much. Um, he was trying to work as a heel. Some things felt a little forced to me, but it felt like he was working in the heel role. Seidel was being the baby face. Omega was not really doing anything flashy and super baby face like to pop the crowd. He was playing his role well and getting Matt Seidel over and making Matt Seidel seem like a real threat to the championship. And I was impressed with Kenny Omega for most of this outing. Um, I did not like him pushing the referee at all. Um, I felt like that would have been a nice... When he did that, I said, okay. Now, if he does it again, maybe that's that's how they're going to get Seidel, like a rematch here, some kind of weird loophole disqualification type of thing. But didn't like that. It almost seemed like the referee was not where Kenny Omega wanted him to be, and that's why I pushed him. Um, as opposed to just pushing him for the, the, the sake of the match within the story. Uh, but uh, overall, really solid match. I enjoyed it. I did all, my, other, my other biggest nitpick on this match was right near the, the end, which I might be jumping ahead here if I am, just cut me off. Uh, but, well, uh, yeah, real quick, let's go through. Kenny caught – Matt Seidel came off the top of that for the Meteora, and he caught him and hit a blind buckle bomb that was really, really nice. Went for the one-winged angel, and there's a poison rana. Matt Seidel hit out of that. Really nice near fall. Oh, but the closest, yeah, nice. yeah, the closest near fall possibly ever uh, was by Seidel after this really weird, uh, it was an innovative roll-up where he was on Kenny's shoulders and bounced his legs and came back over with a with a roll-through. The hand yeah. almost hit the mat. It was extremely close to being a three. And that yeah, led to the finish. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the way they got there was uh, Seidel was cooking, going up for the shooting star press. Kenny hits the ropes, crotching Seidel. Kenny hits the big running knee trigger with Seidel sitting up there, and then he goes for the one-winged angel out of that, which led to the pin you're talking about, that real close near fall. He's on his shoulders. He grabs the rope, slings off, gets back into a nice little victory roll. I loved that spot as a false finish. The victory roll seemed a little controversial on the, the pin there. It didn't seem like he kicked out in time to me, but... That's why, yeah. <laughs> but, possibly ever. But what I didn't like about that was that he hit the knee trigger and then went for the one-wing lay angel, and then Seidel hits this awesome little pin combination, and then he gets up and hits another knee trigger with him just on the mat. I thought the, the knee trigger with Seidel sitting on the rope was 
far more devastating than him hitting the one right out of the pin. That's being nitpicky. Um, I, but hey, to each their own. And I, I liked how this was like the third or fourth attempt of Omega getting the one winged angel, and he finally got it for the uh, yeah. the finish. But that near fall man. Yeah, after their near fall, Sidell's asking the ref if that was three. If that was three, so he's not paying attention to Kenny. Kenny hits a V trigger right then and there and picks him up. Hits the one winged angel for the one two three, and that's it for this little Matt Sidell Kenny Omega feud we had here. Uh, put Matt Sidell, put a little bit of spotlight on Matt Sidell, and he's really shown through in this match. Really good Definitely. outing. No, definitely, and this is a, a matchup. Um, we've talked about it with Matt Seidel before. I mean, he's been in bigger matches on WWE with more people seeing it, but uh, it's been a long time since he's been there, so it's a nice wake-up for a lot of fans who maybe thought he couldn't go anymore um, to have a showing like this, and hopefully we can see more of him in the coming weeks. Yep, and after that, we go to a pre-taped Dark Order promo with Alex Marvez in the back. Asking about, uh, you know, how John Silver ready for this TNT title match tonight. And they do some uh, some comedy there, as per the Dark Order always does. We get the coffin drop. Uh, everybody's doing coffin drops as trust falls. And Johnny Hungy is moving out of the way until it goes to five. And nobody catches five. Poor five. Uh, but then we get a nice cameo by Hangman Page. And wishing Silver luck. And, you know. Whether or not it wins or loses, everybody in the Dark Order is behind them. So, nice little continuation there with the Hangman, which leads us to Hangman's match. Yeah, good. I, I like this. Um, I like this segment. That was well, well done there. The whole Alan Angels or five. He's five, right? Yeah, five yep. thing. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. A lot of two weeks in a row now where he's been kind of the uh, odd man out. So, well, it's a it's a running. Running joke on BTE, and I think okay. even Sammy Garve- uh, Guevara's blog. But other other than that, we go to Hangman Page versus Caesar Benoni, and very funny. You know, the lower thirds as these guys come out has their Twitter handle and their yes. record or whatnot. This time, Hangman Page's little blip above his name is uh, says that he has got friends in dark places. Yeah, that was a good one. Which I was hilarious, and then. Good old JR with maybe the line of the night stating that Hangman Page is the foster child of the Dark Order. Had me, <laughs> had me uh, doubling over. Pretty funny, especially coming out of JR's mouth. Yeah, yeah. But this was a quick match. This proved proved his point. Hangman Page over with a, with a buckshot lariat. Cesar Bononi looked good in what he had to do. Uh, good quick match with a win for the Hangman. Yeah, it was an impressive outing. Cesar Benoni's his the most the best he's looked. Um, this is a solid TV match. You've got a you've got a a guy. What Cesar Benoni's probably what six three two sixty. So he's got a significant size advantage over Hangman. Um, and then hitting Hangman a good four three four minute match, strong win going over a bigger guy. I, you know, ride that momentum. Let's see where that goes. Um, but I thought it was well placed after the Dark Order promo and. Uh, the only thing that was weird about this was it was advertised Caesar Bononi with Nick Nemeth and uh, JD Drake, no, 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 pretty Peter. I don't think Nick. I don't think it was Nick Nemeth, was it? No. <laughs> yeah, it's the Hollywood Hulk <laughs> Brian Nemeth, but I. Not, we all understand. Nemeth, we understand. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah those three. Yeah, but I didn't see those guys out there. I no. didn't see them out there at all. 
And uh, I mean, I like me some JD Drake, you know. I, but uh, I was excited to see JD Drake on there. But I don't know. It just seemed like he was with Peter Avalon. They must split. Missed that no, probably on the end of the internet shows or. I don't think so. I, I didn't watch Dark. Well, I watched some of Dark this week, but it there's still it's still Peter Avalon, Caesar Benoni, the Hollywood Hunk, Ryan Nemeth, and JD Drake's kind of uh, new to the fray there. Okay. Who knows why they kept them off? Maybe no, no, no dark order with Hangman, no seconds with yeah Benoni. It was just a quick match for sure. I was, just, it was intrigued. I was like, oh, this will be interesting, but it just uh, empty. We, we've talked about this match longer than the match went, so let's move Absolutely. on <laughs> to a Lance Archer pre-tape promo, mm-hmm. and uh, Archer put Sting over during this promo, calling him the icon. Sting's time's up. It's Archer's time now. That's why he's take he will take all the time he wants. Uh, talks about the bat, but ultimately tells Sting that sooner or later it'll be showtime. So we have big hints, not even hints, like they're pointing us in the direction that we're gonna get Lance Archer and Sting. Yeah, and they've been. This is what week three now where they've been teasing it. So I like that it was a different format. Sit down with Lance Archer, quick and to the point. Uh, see what they do different. It was different than what they've previously done, and no one's overexposed here. So I'm all for it. Speaking of things that we're all for, we go to some highlights from last week's match between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. The match the wrestling world's been talking about for the last seven days and we get old Tony Schiavone on the stage for the first time tonight to interview the doctor, Britt Baker, DMD. Britt comes out, talks about Thunder Rosa, saying that she should be thanking Britt Baker for the history that she wrote with her own blood last week in that match. It is Britt Baker's division, not Thunder Rosa's. It is Britt Baker's company. And everybody around the world, whether it be fans or previous uh, wrestlers, they're all talking about her. She even puts over Mick Foley, giving her a thumbs up online. And realistically, though, Britt says, Mick, it took you 20 years to become the hardcore legend, and it only took me one night. She said this, I mind you, pointing this out, she had a red and black flannel shirt tied around her waist, maybe a little homage to uh, the hardcore legend. But Britt says that she put AEW on the map, and the three letters that matter here are not AEW. They are DMD for the doctor. Yeah, very good promo. We kind of alluded to this last week that, you know, Britt Baker's got the star coming out of it. What was strange to me, though, was the crowd reaction. It didn't seem genuine. It almost felt like, I don't know, it's like it's like the crowd, I felt like they wanted to pop and cheer for her, but almost like they were told not to. I don't have any inside information that. It was a really strange crowd reaction. That's my note here is like, it doesn't feel like the crowd wants to boo and the, the boos sound forced. Um 
And I, I don't know if they do that in AEW. I know they used to do that in Impact where they'd have someone come out because they're in Universal Studios, the casual people. Boo here, cheer here, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if they do that in AEW or not. If I, I, I would be surprised. This is the first time I've ever noticed it. But it's like, especially after last week, I thought she'd get a pop and then have to flip the crowd with her promo. Um, but good promo. Probably, the, you know, she's she's come so far on promos. Uh, very good. Very good promo. And um, still leading in that direction of, She's on the precipice of being the big, the biggest face, face of that women's division. Yeah, she's somebody that it seems Britt is outshining the whole women's division and doesn't even need to be in the title picture right now. Even yeah. though, even was, though she she should be very soon. I give it a couple months, probably not this yeah. next pay per view, but possibly after one of the specials that they do on Wednesday nights. You know, the special editions of Dynamite, we might see Britt and Cheetah, but not yet. Yeah, yeah. If if you, we'll get there. Thunder Rosa seemed like it was who they were going to be moving in that direction for Cheetah, and who knows now? <laughs> well, right now, as we'll we'll see later in the show, Tay Conti comes into this show as the number one contender. It's her first week ranked as uh, the number one contender. Uh, we'll talk more about Tay later. Uh, but after this Britt Baker interview, we get a quick little glimpse at the pinnacle coming out of their locker room as we head into commercial break. And then when we come back, we get the group of Christian Cage backstage with Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., the Varsity Blondes, and Dante Martin from Top Flight talking as Cage is giving them some advice. They're uh, goofing around, joking around. Dasha comes uh Comes up with her mic asking what they're talking about. Two little tidbits uh, that I didn't want to chime in here. I thought it was good they acknowledged uh, his brother right off the bat there. Hey, how's your brother doing? Building yeah. that rapport there with Christian. And then gets his name on the show and establishes that, hey, this guy's not. He's in a tag team. He's teaming up with them. I like that little tidbit there. And then also when the pinnacle came out, it was the exact same room that they went into oh. last week with Sweet 122. The old um, inner circle over. locker room. Yeah, so those yep. were just my two little notes that uh, go right up to pick up right where the Christian Cage promo was with old Dasha. Yeah, he was talking about giving younger talent advice, and as he was doing so, he gets interrupted by Frankie Kazarian. Frankie says, you know, he's been here in AEW since day one. He's a day oneer, and he's been uh, been here outworking everyone already. Now, that's his phrase that he's lived by, and Christian, you know, Ask, hey, are we getting cranky Frankie here? These guys know each other from way back in TNA. And the question was, Christian, you say you're going to outwork everyone. Well, when does the work start? Well, it's going to start next week. And this sets up a match between Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian. Frankie on his way out asks Christian if he's busy on Monday nights. Oh, no, he's not. We obviously know that's a day at Raw. Uh, so since he's not busy on Monday nights, come check Frankie out on Elevation. He's got a singles match. So a little boost there in Elevation. People will be able to say, hey, Christian's going to be out here. Tune in on YouTube Monday night. Yeah, that no, was good, good, good first match for Christian. Um, I mean, this is going to be really his first singles match in, was it, seven years? Yep. Um, so it's a good test because Arian's an old pro. He'll, you know, they'll – Normally, I would say Christian's going to carry whoever it is to a good one, but Kazarian in this role, B 
being Christian's first match in a while, he'll he'll be a great dance partner, and uh, they should have a really good match. I'm looking forward to that one. Well, I'm not saying it, it's necessary to do it like this, but I believe next week would be one of the tape shows. So yeah. Christian's first match back in seven years. You should know what we're getting with Christian. We know how good of a worker he is, but they leave that room there just so anything goes wrong. Timing. It's just timing. Yeah. There could be any type of issue with timing, and and that's to be, I think, be expected with a guy who's 47 and uh, hasn't worked in seven years. But you never know. I mean, he could come right back and be the best worker in the company like he has been throughout his career. Well, that brings us to the six-man tag match. We get Pinnacle coming out here. FTR and Spears are going to be the team for the Pinnacle. They come out with Tully Blanchard, MJF, and Wardlow, and they are going to take on the Varsity Blondes of Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., and Dante Martin of Top Flight. First thing out, and we get some Horseman-esque music, some WCW style. You hear that guitar and an 80 Styles entrance video, which was I pop for right off the bat. But this the, the pinnacle in the beginning of this match, boy, did they shine up the babyface tag team. Yeah. Very reminiscent of how the Horsemen worked back in the day making their opponents look good no matter who they are, where they're at on the card, just to make themselves look better when they go over. We get a nice outside, inside double jump moonsault by Dante Martin, which was followed by a double spear by Griff Garrison. Like I said, these young kids got a really, really nice shine in this match. Uh, They go for a triple dive, all three of the babies. But it's stopped by Warlow's just mere presence on the outside. He stood in front of the uh, Spears and the FTR. Pinnacle will go over here with uh, the C4 by Sean Spears. And Warlow hits Brian Pillman Jr. after the match with uh, with his casualty of war chokeslam into a knee. But just, you know, a good match. These guys shine those kids up but my major heat with this match is this most of this match happened in pitcher and pitcher break yeah i i was gonna say this match felt like it my, my comments on i was disappointed by this match they shined them up um i didn't like the the way they got to the the commercial break spot with the the, the fake dive like who cares that Wardlow stands there has never stopped these guys before for diving onto seven dudes who stand there ready for dive so I thought that was poorly put together um I did like that Spears and Garrison started I mean with FTR and and Garrison and uh Pillman worked they they always shine those kids up good so Dante Martin and Spears being the X factor here uh they really did make those kids look real good and then you see the then they punk the I, I did not like that fake dive spot you go to commercial break they get the heat on Pillman during the commercial break. They work him over all commercial break. And then it's like it just felt rushed when they came back to go home. I was like, did they get their time cut? What happened here? It was it was a match the Pinnacle needed to establish themselves. Unfortunately, where the Pinnacle was doing their work, no one saw it with audio. They was just you had to watch the picture in picture to see them do their thing. Right. So I felt very underwhelmed and disappointed by this segment, and I'm you heard me sing their praises last week. Um, I just thought this was poorly put together. I liked the long shine, just 
formatting, which has always been my biggest issue with AEW shows. It's how it's formatted poorly. Yeah, this match wasn't there for the the babies to get their shine. It was no. to establish Pinnacle. And unfortunately, we established them in a small window. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. John Cena was talking uh, about Wipeout. Right. It was very, do, uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we do get a promo after the match, and these guys really drive home the uh, the family aspect of the pinnacle. And Dax, Dax called out proud and powerful in the inner circle as well. And MJF took the mic and said you know, another fat joke about Chris Jericho and basically say, said that the inner circle's terrified of them. That's why they're not out here right now. Tony Schiavone kind of piped up for a second which MJF and Wardlow shut right down. And in the end, the pinnacle will always be on top. Basically, that's that's how MJF left us as we go to a Team Taz pre-tape promo. But your thoughts yeah, on the on the pinnacle promo? I, I liked the promo better than the match, that's for sure. Um, basically, on the format, they, put, they got their time in to get over here. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I like how Cash snatched the microphone out, shows that he's you know, a little bit more of the edgy character uh on the team a little bit more of a wild card spark plug if you will um and then and then dax gets it from him and hands it back to shivani to give him the old classic promo that was very uh very shades of arn in that dax promo which was excellent before getting it over to uh mjf but i like that ftr talk they just had the match would have liked to hear Spears talk, but MJF comes in, hammers at home, gets the angle over. That's where the money is. That's where the heat is. So you got to move on to the uh, the next segment, which is your Team Taz promo, which... Well, Team Taz. Taz says there are no problems with Team Taz as he has powerhouse Will Hobbs, Hook, Ricky Starks, and Brian Cage, the FTW champion, with him. Cage, you see, if you focus on Cage while everybody else is talking, Cage is not really with it, not with what Taz has to say. But Taz states that Brian Cage actually apologized, said, you know, he's sorry about putting Sting over last week, and he personally apologized to Ricky Starks, and everyone's good. You know, Taz goes around the horn ask if everybody's good one by one by one, and we get over to Brian Cage. Brian Cage takes a few seconds and gives us the old throat slash motion with a who better as the segment ends. And dissension again with Team Taz. If you watched, I'm not sure if it was, I think it was dark this week. Brian Cage wrestled, you know, he's been in the black and orange uh, gear, and actually this week he had black, orange, with a lot of red mixed in, so maybe that's one of those little subtle things that AEW does. New gear, dropping, you know, adding a color of his own and not taking the Team Taz colors. But dissension in Team Taz. Yeah, for sure. And this is the the second, I believe there's another one coming up later on where they do these quick little, uh, like, filler pre-tapes. Actually, there's two more coming up. Um that they're using for filler, it's it's fine. It's getting guys like Lance Hoyt earlier, or Lance Archer. I, I mean, earlier, they they do it with him. They do it here with Team Taz. Just a quick 30 seconds, get him on the show, keep him in people's thoughts, get the angle over. It was it was exactly what it needed to be. No issue with it. Um, I liked how Ricky Starks made sure he got in absolutely for his affirmative uh, 
to agreeing with Taz and uh and Cage did a decent job of acting here. It's never been his strong suit, but he did he did a decent job of showing you knew that he didn't say the words that Taz said he said, but Cage is going along with it for some reason. We're coming up on the year of Cage and Taz's uh partnership and what would it be May, so we'll see we'll see how this develops over the next couple weeks. Yeah, we come right back on stage with Tony Schiavone alongside QT Marshall. QT huh. states, yeah, he's frustrated. And he's what he's most frustrated about being Cody's friend. And, you know, he himself has done the most work out of anybody in this whole company besides Tony Khan. So in doing so, and that line of thinking, QT wants an exhibition match against Cody next week. I'm guessing an exhibition match is more laissez-faire, more laid-back, more lackadaisical. Uh, but that brings out, I, I put down, this brings out executive Cody as he comes out with the headset and has to pass it off to a stagehand. Cody accepts the match. And we'll actually, we'll actually get Nightmare family member and coach Arn Anderson as the referee. Cody does state, though, that if he gets the figure four ready and locked, he won't go through with putting it in. If he gets QT set up for the crossroads, he won't follow through with it. You know, QT has become a friend to Cody. And quite possibly, QT has become Cody's best friend. So next week, exhibition match between possible best friends, Cody, QT, with Arn as the the referee. It'll be be one of those segments I'm interested to see next week is how they do this. Will Dustin be there? Will he have some hand in it? Different set of rules and regulations for this segment next week. So always interesting when something different is presented to us. Yeah, I thought I, I thought it was weird that he said Arn will be the referee because I'm like, oh, Dustin would have been the the perfect guy. He's QT's partner, it's Cody's brother. Like, but Arn works too. Um, interesting. The one thing that I liked the most about what QT did during this promo is when Cody talked about the figure four. QT was looking right at Cody's arm, which was in a sling. He shifted his eyes from the eyes of Cody, and he was looking right at that arm. So I think we're gonna see something come into play there with. QT going a little too far, trying to hurt Cody at his exhibition. If my cat is being picked up, my apologies. She's a loud jerk. But um, QT Marshall and Cody, it's interesting. Is he wouldn't get QT on TV, and that that, that right there is establishing him. He's he's got the right kind of heel Tendencies. beginning, yeah. Because he's justifying why he should be cheered. He's justifying all. Saying in his mind, he believes that he should be getting more credit than he has, and it's justifiable to him, and that's a good foundation for a heel turn, which we expect here, but maybe AEW will surprise us, and I'll be right in the Nightmare family after this little exhibition match. Well, this next match, definitely not an exhibition match. We get a trios match of the Lucha Brothers, Penta and Phoenix, alongside the returning Laredo Kid. Taking on the Young Bucks, the AEW World Tag Team Champions, Matt and Nick Jackson, with their friend Brandon Cutler. We get a little promo 
the one of the, I call them an entrance promo, the little side box promo by the Lucha Brothers Laredo Kid and old Alex Abrahantes. Apparently, Pac is out with an injury. He'll be out for a few more weeks. I did not know this. I didn't see this anywhere. Uh, I think it was advertised last week as Pac, wasn't it? Yep, yep. Yeah. And this was, no, this was live. So they taped it last, weird. Okay, never mind. I would have known he was hurt two weeks ago, but I guess he wasn't cleared. That makes sense. We also get a little recap of the Bucks, Omega, and the Good Brothers from last week when they stopped the attack on John Moxley. This match, man, there was a lot in this match. A lot of action. What we would expect out of this match. I hated uh, it. You did, yep. I'm, <laughs> I will say Nick and Phoenix were really fluid in the beginning. Penta put on some stupid submission. He crossed uh, Matt's legs, like getting ready for some sort of... Uh, like a regal stretch is what yeah. it seemed like he was going to do. and then. But then he did hook his... It, it, it looked terrible. And then they got up and they stood looked at each other and tagged out. And we, yeah. That was, that was dumb. Well, this was that these two guys are going to do their thing. Tag out. These two guys are going to do their yeah, thing. They don't tag like out. Yeah. Not for will, me. Hey, I understand it's not for me and it has its audience, but I was they already lost me at this point. Right. Well, Ray Phoenix is the saving grace of this match. If you didn't like anything in this match, it wasn't going to be anything Ray Phoenix did. Oh, the, the stuff they did was spectacular. The athleticism is amazing. The, way they, the things that he can do oh, and the talent did. can do. Is awesome. I'm not taking that away from him. It's just not my kind of wrestling. He had a, he had both Bucks and Greco-Roman knucklehocks hit a somersault, Arabian moonsault, double arm drag, which was really, really nice. But then, of course, we get a big old dive fest on the outside, which is just, it's too much of the norm. It's the boring norm, I think, in some of these matches. Uh, leading into the end, into the finish, Matt Jackson hit a nice DDT over the top rope onto Phoenix on the apron. Phoenix spiked himself and then flipped over. That looked real nasty. And we get Laredo Kid hitting a Spanish fly on Brandon Cutler for the one, two, three, which all led to a whole one lot thing, afterwards. One thing I will say is it's like the Brandon Cutler. Not, I mean, he's not bad, but he's just not – he's clearly missing a lot of things that would put him uh, – a good athlete, can work can work well. He, he was fine in the match, but he, he just watching him work, I'm like, yeah, he's, he's obviously a step behind all these other guys. And I don't think it has anything to do with him not trying hard enough or anything like that. It's just some people have it and some people don't. And it was pretty evident in this match when he's in there with these guys that he's not on the same level. Um, but what he did was fine. He held his own. But it just was it just was too much. They lost me. No story, no structure, just spots. No, it was spots just all spots. It was this this match was to get to what we have afterwards. Yeah, which again I wasn't a fan of. Which so Omega <laughs> Omega comes out, jumps the Laredo kid. We get a bunch of history talk about AAA and Fighter Fest 2019. This is the second second or third time we're talking about friendship and family. Omega says that he didn't stay in Japan, he didn't go to New York, he didn't choose the AEW, he chose the Young Bucks, 
and their vision to be the best wrestling promotion on the planet. And instead of choosing Kenny Omega, the Bucks chose Brandon Cutler. They've never chosen back. Like, give the Bucks one more chance to throw it up, give them two sweet, stating it's now or never to toss it up. And the Bucks actually walked out on Kenny Omega. This did not sit well with Kenny. Kenny bitching, complaining, shouting at the Bucks. Turns around with Mike in hand and gets super kicked by the Lucha Brothers. And you go back and listen to this super kick. They caught all Mike. Kenny got busted open in the mouth, bleeding from the super kick. Then we get the double stomp package pile driver combo, which brings out the Good Brothers a minute or two too late. And that's a little continuation of uh, what's been going on over at Impact since the Good Brothers lost their Impact Tag Team titles to Finn Juice, David Finley, and Juice Robinson, who are now back in New Japan with those titles. So the Good Brothers got to wait for their rematch. The Good Brothers have been left behind by Don Callis and Kenny Omega. They go to the Good Brothers go to Kenny's locker room, knock on the door, nobody's there. No. They don't know if Kenny's in there or not, or if he's just not answering. You know, uh, some not, I wouldn't say dissension there between the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega and Don Callis, just a lack of communication right now. So they're not on the same page. Well, I'm glad you told me that because I sure as hell was confused on why they lollygagged their ass out there a few minutes too late, much like what we saw very recently with. Um, QT Marshall lollygagging out there two minutes too late the week prior, um, especially considering these guys were just teaming up and they seem like a cohesive unit on AEW television. So, I mean, I'm glad that they're doing something cross-promotional. A little video clip would have been nice. A little mention in the commentary would have been nice there. But no, that helped. What I, I thought Kenny Omega's promo was excellent. I just thought this was poorly placed. You had a match with the Pinnacle. They had the post-match promo. You already had Kenny Omega beating Matt Seidel earlier. You just got the Young Bucks and Cutler. Uh, they they suffered a loss. You know, the Young Bucks could have left out of there. It, it just, you don't need to keep doing this, running it back. It's it's overkill. It's like too much EVP here for me. This, is- this could have happened next week. The same promo could have happened next week and had more focus on it. Great promo by Kenny Omega. Just I did not like the whole segment as a, this, as a flow. This Dynamite, as well as last week's Dynamite, I liken it to this. Going to Subway and getting a foot long and getting double meat. They're just trying to put too much into yeah. the two hours that they have. Um, I, yeah. It's it's nice that everybody's getting on TV. I'd have to go back. I couldn't imagine how many workers we have on this show if we went back and oh, yeah, everybody least, on there. At least 40. I mean, it's good that they're – no. It, I like that they do that and get as many people on as possible. But I just felt like this was waste. Like you, you're rushing things at different times. Again, it all comes back to formatting and booking. And this was just, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have had Kenny Omega and Matt. I might have would have formatted differently. Open the show with this. Then there's no Kenny promo. Kenny inside out happens later in the show. That explains why there's nothing there. Next week you do this thing with Kenny in the box where you can run it back. It just it. it it was awkward, it was weird, and the Good Brothers lollygagging out was weird. You, you explained me from, from the Lucha 
Kenny Omega's bloody lip. This was just not for me. Well, Dave, I heard about three words you said, but most of them I heard was not for me. Those are the three words that <laughs> really matter. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. A little Is that cutting out? Issues. Yeah, a little okay. bit. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the, 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 the Skype here picks it up. Well, next we go to uh, pre, another pre-tape. We have Jade Cargill, who we saw wrestle last week. Uh, Jade still on a little bit of a feud here with Red Velvet. Both ladies undefeated in singles competition. Not really saying much for Jade. She's only had one singles match. But Jade states that she's on the path to greatness. Red Velvet is just a minor pit stop. And when Red Velvet steps into the ring with Jade Cargill, she will be stepping in the ring with that bitch. I guess that's what she's going by. Not PG. Yeah, I'm fine with it. It was yeah. It was it was you know, a little video package. Put steam on a match that already has heat behind it so why not I, i'm indifferent it was good it was well done just rolling it back speaking of video Next. packages <laughs> we get a quick little glimpse into a reality show that will be that will be making its way to tnt <sighs> miz and miss i'm i'm sorry <laughs> cody and brandy are gonna have a show roads to the top oh boy it's a you know what total divas and Miz and Misses and those type of shows do for WWE, those help bring in the casual fan, which mm-hmm. AEW, let's face it, AEW is for the hardcore fans. They need to bring yeah. more regular eyes onto the product. And this, realistically, should help. I don't see this. Sh- uh, it definitely will. I knew many people who watched Total Divas but didn't watch wrestling. And then same thing with Miz and Misses. I know I, there's somebody I work with that actually watches Miz and Misses, but they they've never watched Monday Night Raw, but they did after they started watching Miz and Misses. So it works. Wrestling fans like to have that closed-minded perception of like this, this is ours. stupid, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's it's everything's for you. Uh, you're trying to grab those outside people. I'm for it. It was just like it caught me off guard. It was a, but it all made sense with a lot of stuff they've been doing lately with Cody and Brandy. With the, I mean, there is definitely a lot of stroking of the ego that we've seen lately with Cody and Brandy, especially in AEW. But it all is making sense now because you're like, oh, this is all for the reality. This is all for the reality show with the uh, baby announcement, then the gender reveal, and. The Shaq stuff. I'm like, this is all. This is all for that TV show. It all is, and it all makes sense now. Yep. Which, hey, I'll have it set to record on the DVR, and I'll watch it. Why the hell not? I'll, I'll be entertained. And the misses might, might enjoy it too. Let's hope she doesn't like wrestling. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you that it could work. She might well, enjoy that. The next thing we get is a little recap of the Kingston Moxley Good Brothers fiasco from the week before. The beatdown on Eddie Kingston, the smashing of his ankle. And we get a promo, a pre-tape with Kingston and Moxley in the back. And Kingston's sitting in a splint and says he's got a broken something. He wants to know how far the Good Brothers are really willing to take this because 
people who cross him, where he comes from, they wind up in a morgue. Well, one thing we do get out of Moxley in this is that he owes the Bucks one and he doesn't like owing anybody anything. But the Bucks tells them, hey, you guys better be willing to get your hands dirty if you want to get in on this fight too. Nice little promo here between Kingston and Moxley. Quick to the point, doesn't overstay the welcome. Two good guys on the stick. Keeps Much better Moxley than last week. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Much well, better than last week. Short and, uh, sweet, yes. And much like in the vein of Archer and Team Taz, it just it did its job. It was just, the location was kind of weird. I'm like, are they filming this in like a Burlington Coat Factory dressing room? Like, I, or changing room? One of the one of the trailers in the in the lot, in the right, back. that makes sense. Yeah. And it was just a... Uh, Uniquely, that makes total sense that it was a trailer because that's exactly what it looked like. But uh, like, where the hell are they? Um, yeah, very uh, un Moxley like from all of his other promo backdrops. Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of bright side Moxley. He's <laughs> not in some dark, dreary alley every promo now. He's got his broken ankle friend with him, and you know, right. like I said, the good promo much better than last week, and there's purpose behind it, so putting your well, biggest star on TV. I think there was some purpose behind this next match as we see the Vicious Vixens come out. Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero taking on the newly ranked number one contender, Tay Conti. Big match here for Tay Conti. A little bit of a coming out party. If you haven't seen Elevation and Dark the past couple weeks, Tay Conti has been on a roll, racking up victory after victory. I She... I'm going to say she hasn't lost a match since she got eliminated from the Eliminator Tournament, which all these wins in a row, getting her the number one contendership. see a little Dark Order support in the beginning as Tay came out. She made her interests in the ring. Dark Order came out, did the pose on stage, showing some support there. All right, match. Uh, Tay Conti really showed up in this match. We get a bit... Towards the end here, Nyla Rose hit that big knee drop off the top for a near fall. And like I said before, I'll say it again, I wish this move was treated as a finisher. It is one of the more vicious-looking moves in all of the women's division. Speaking of vicious, Tay Connie's knee strikes this match were were pretty damn solid. And she showed a never-before-seen intensity this week. Throughout this match, whether it be her facial expressions or her strikes, Tay Conti actually hits the DD Tay for the win. The one, two, three. After three, Nyla did kick out. Nice little uh, moment there. What do you well, think about the match? Because we still have some after match shenanigans. I, th- I thought the match was was fine. It was it did a good job of. Nyla Rose has been established on their program as being probably their top heel female wrestler. Um, so it's a good job to give the rub now to Tay Conti to solidify her as a legitimate contender to the, the viewership. Um, the match itself was fine. I mean, it, it wasn't anything spectacular, but it was, it was solid for what it was. Um uh, I forgot. It really, it, was, it really helped 
spotlight take on the on the big stage. Yeah, yeah. It, it did it did its job. It did its job, and then you know, and then you get the post match. But I had a comment I was going to mention, but I don't recall what it was. But go ahead. <laughs> if you only had notes. Yeah, I, I deleted the notes for this one. But it was actually <laughs> something that you'd said that I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just reply to that. Popped in my well, head. And... Tay celebrates after up on the turnbuckle and is interrupted. She just grabbed by Vicky Guerrero, attacked by Nyla Rose. Nyla gets ready for the beast bomb, and Sheeta comes out and makes a save. Cracks her with that kendo stick, which brings out the bunny. The bunny hits Sheeta with the kendo stick. We get a little melee there. You see... Matt Hardy butchering the blade at the top of the ramp. Hardy gets on the mic. He called out the uh, Eliminator Tournament as a sham because it didn't even include the bunny. So we will be seeing more of the bunny, more so as a wrestler now, it looks like. We've seen her wrestle a little bit in the past as Allie. I don't know if we've seen her wrestle as the bunny maybe once, maybe twice, but... She has been on the outside for most of the Butcher and Blades matches, more so than actually wrestling in the ring. Yeah, and I mean, she's a, a longtime veteran. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of, uh, I mean, going back to Cherry Bomb Alley, you know, Bunny, I've seen her work a lot. So she definitely, a, I never understood why she wasn't working more when they had some of these other less experienced, less talented women working. Um, but, hey, TV time's important. Experience is important. She obviously has it. She could have been nursing an injury, too. But, no, it's good. She's a good shot in the arm to the division. She's talented. She can perform at a high level, um, as she's proven. I mean, former Impact Women's Champion, Knockouts Champion, I mean. Um, I mean, it, it's 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 good. It's a good thing for the women's division that she's going to be an active competitor. And what, it's a little strange with the... Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero kind of alliance, and the Matt Hardy being involved here. A lot of working parts, but hey, I'm happiest that the bunny's gonna gonna get in the ring. Not a bad thing. Well, we're heading towards our main event, but before there, we stop off at a little Kip Sabian Miro Chuck Taylor Orange Cassidy video package. For next week, we get Arcade Anarchy. Big hopefully blow off to this yeah <laughs> hopefully this leads to miro going to greener pastures uh but we get the rundown for next week as well and next week we will see hikari shida with tay conti taking on the bunny and nyla rose we're gonna have a six-man tag we're gonna see the lucha brothers teaming back up with laredo kid taking on world champion kenny omega and the good brothers so we'll see some continuation there we're going to have that exhibition match between Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall with Arna Anderson as your referee. And we will also see the AEW in-ring debut of Christian Cage taking on Frankie Kazarian of SCU. And speaking of SCU, we move on to a Scorpio Sky video package where we find out that Sky will be taking on Mike Seidel Monday night on Elevation. And, you know, I, I mentioned SCU with Frankie Kazarian. And you know, led me into Scorpio Sky. I, I'm wondering if this mood change in Sky has anything to do or has any effect on his status with the other two guys in SCU. Is there anything going to happen there? Because SCU, babyface tag team right now, 
you know, they're they're playing the storyline of, you know, next match they lose, next tag match that they lose, they're broken up. That's Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. And Kazarian and Sky, former first-time AEW Tag Team Champions yeah. at SCU. So we'll see how Sky, who is calling himself the face of the revolution, how this heel turn will affect his dynamic within SCU with Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, uh, it's this is the fourth uh, promo like this that I was talking about with Scorpio Sky and the Venom Archer and Taz and Mosley and Kingston did his job, did its purpose. Get continuing to keep him on TV is a good thing. Establishing his new character and role. Um, Frankie Kazarian had a little bit of an edge when he was talking to Christian Cranky Frankie. There could be there, we could see an SCU heel turn. Um, the whole group could be slowly turning um, to join up with Scorpio Sky for that reunion. Who knows? Um, but I did thought it was good that they they plugged the sky right after they talked about Kazarian to keep that SCU connection still together. Little segue there. Yes, that's well, what they call it, the biz. <laughs> well, in the biz, this next segment is known as your main event for the evening, which was scheduled for 20 minutes or TV time remaining. And it is our TNT title match where the challenger, John Silver, with the Dark Order, would take on TNT champion Darby Allen. And we have the Dark Order around ringside, and we see Matt Hardy and company on the heel side, on the fan side of the barrier. So we get a little tease there. We get some chain wrestling to start. And after a little bit of chain wrestling, it was all John Silver for quite some time. Uh, Silver put the heat on Darby. Darby, again, we've talked about Darby and his selling and his storytelling and how he is such a good underdog. And Darby, we know, works really, really, really well with the big guys. So it was really nice to see how Darby would go with a smaller competitor, smaller as in height, but John Silver is a little wrecking ball. He is, I don't know, five foot five and yeah. just a brick of dynamite. And he really put a lot of heat on Darby Allen, which led to a little interaction on the outside. Silver had Darby on the barricade, charged Darby, and Darby took Silver up and over. And Silver landed on his shoulder some something hard yeah and i don't know if it was uh separated or dislocated but you could tell john silver's shoulder was fucked. yeah whole match changed after that and i'm it changed but god did it show the grit and how tough john silver is because shortly thereafter this incident Darby hit a uh, suicide dive, and Silver moved out of the way. He hit five Allen Angels, and Silver hit a German suplex, like deadlift German on Darby on the outside right after that. And this is with a really busted-up shoulder. Uh, after this, that brought Sting out to the to the stairs, pointing the bat at the Dark Order, making sure they get back. Dark Order really never laid their hands on Darby. Darby actually hit Allen Angels, uh, but Sting fends them off. I I wouldn't even say fends them off. Gives them a little warning, maybe. Little equalizer. Yeah. Darby going up 
Odd Silver gets ready to hit the uh, the flipping stunner, and Silver hit a beautiful counter out of that stunner as Darby flips up and over, and as he's about to come down to hit that stunner, Silver drops his hips, rolls back, gets him in the Queen Slayer choke. So a nice little shout out to Anna J number 99 sitting on the sidelines right now after her shoulder surgery which I just put that together. She's out with a shoulder injury. Now Silver's shoulders mess up. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. John Silver hit a nice stalling DDT for two. They go to the outside a little bit, and Silver stares Sting down on the outside. A nice little moment there for John Silver getting go eye-to-eye with the icon Sting. And, man, when he rolled Darby in and started hitting those kicks – those were some brutal kicks. John Silver has some of the nice, nicest kicks in the biz right to Darby's chest. I've got it written down, a palm strike exchange that just made me say, ow, like these guys would be sipping their meals through a straw because they were blasting each other, lefts and rights. <laughs> One of the, another, another good line by JR after a nice little near fall by Silver. JR says, well, if he wanted there, I would have probably said, hi-ho, Silver. Yeah, pop me. Yeah. So Johnny Hungry goes up for a superplex and gets bumped off by Darby. Darby stands face-fronting the uh, – face-fronting. Fronting <laughs> – forward-facing the ring and hits a big coffin drop to the outside, the no-look coffin drop onto the Dark Order. Darby goes back up, gets cut off by Silver, and we get a big super blue thunder bomb for two. Darby's foot on the ropes. Silver had his legs hooked so deep, and the angle he took, Darby was able to put his foot on the ropes. Gets ready for the power bomb, the ode to Brody Lee. Silver picks him up, gets ready to jack him up, and Darby flips it over, reverse into the code red for the one, two, three. Darby Allen wins, retains. Good, solid match. Another spotlight shown on somebody that is really hot right now, John Silver, really over, sucks. It, it, this is like, this reminds me of Sami Zayn when he started to come from NXT, had that U.S. challenge with John Cena, blew his shoulder out on his entrance of all things, still gritted through it and had a hell of a match. That's what my mind was running back to um, when I when I watched this match. Great outing by both guys. John Silver looks really good. Darby Allen shows he can work with anybody on this roster. Gets the win. Keeps his title. Everybody looks good all around. Yeah, solid match. Solid main event. Um, you know, we saw him get the win over Scorpio Sky. I believe that was what two weeks ago with a nice counter to a, a big move with the inside cradle and then here he counters the move with the code red uh, i love it darby knows how to work as that underdog so well as we talked about uh the reason i said the match changed because john silver and that's what happens a lot of times when you've got i don't want to call them gimmick workers but you got guys who have a, a persona and a character they're portraying and then when they get hurt that goes away and like they just they just they they no longer focus on being their character. They're focused on like how the hell do I get through this match with this fucking injury? Uh, to put it blunt, like that's exactly what that was. Watching John Silver and he got it through it, and it was awesome performance. 
Um, the energy, I don't know if the fans in attendance realized it, but the but the, the Silver's energy definitely was not there for them to feed off of, which I felt like took a little bit away from the match, but I still enjoyed the match. I thought it was good because you knew the guy was hurt. Uh, the yeah, good well, news on that front, well, go ahead. Uh, well, Silver really picks up that energy like in his tag matches when he gets that hot tag yeah. and he hits four to five things in succession and he's r- bouncing around like a like a pinball in a pinball machine. And, I mean, you can't fault the guy. If, if they didn't right. have that planned, they didn't. But I would assume they, they, they would have had something of the such plan and they have to call that uh, on the fly yeah, to switch ab- it up. Ab- absolutely. And I, I did actually in my notes have that Silver – Needs more singles matches to get to get it to string it all together uh, since he's had. I mean, this, he's still only been doing this type of gimmick. I mean, he's been wrestling for a long time, but he's more or less just been kind of a guy. He's been John Silver as mm-hmm. far as this Johnny Hungy. It's only been like, what, four or five months. So he's still developing this into his repertoire. But he did tweet out. It was late, 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 late last night that uh, shoulder is messed up. But the doctor doesn't think it's anything too serious. And he'll keep everyone posted when he knows. Nothing new on that, but uh, something where a doctor would say not too serious probably doesn't require surgery, so it could be like a sprained AC joint dislocation. Could be something that you just got to keep an eye on for a couple weeks and making sure that it, uh, you know, he's good to go. But uh, it, it, not if a doctor that says it's not too serious, it most likely means they're not going to cut on him. As long as they don't cut on him, he shouldn't be gone for months, yeah. which is a good sign. Because on a shoulder, once you cut on it once, that thing's going to get cut on for the rest of your life, every couple of years. Well, speaking of signs, we get a nice little sign of respect after the match. Sting comes into the ring, stands over John Silver, picks him up, shows a little respect there. Then we get Darby Allen with the, uh, the fist bump to John Silver. And as Darby backs up towards the ropes, we get Matt Hardy sweeping Darby's legs out. Tosses into the barricade, and we have a big old fracas as the Hardy family office and the Dark Order go at it. Sting lends a hand, or a bat in this case, takes out Private Party, and that brought out Tay Conti. Tay Conti goes uh, one on one with the Bunny there, leading into their match, their tag match that they have next week. Darby took out Matt Hardy with a big old suicide dive. And that's pretty much it as we end this show. Another melee here on Dynamite. Yeah, it was a good way to end the show. It's setting up a program, whether it be a long-term program or a mini-program with Matt Hardy and Darby. TNT Championship's going to get a good rub there. You've got Conti and Bunnies. We're continuing that. Um, and then you Dark got- Order with, and- with Butcher Blade and Private Party. It, it, you've got... Tons of matchups there, so I'm fine with it. They've been teasing this for a long time with Matt Hardy's feud with the Dark Order, so it all tied in, and then with Sting and Darby out there. Anytime there's a mass of humanity in the ring with Sting and a ball bat, you can't go wrong putting that on uh, on TNT. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's not the first time we've seen it on TNT, but I'm not going to complain about it, at least not yet. Yeah. And it's the first time, really, in AEW. I mean, he's had it with Team Taz, but with that much humanity and stinging a ball bat, I was, I was I, it, this little flashback. Uh, it was, it was nice and reminiscing seeing that just chaos. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, 
and I was happy happy with things roll here. It's good. You got to put the dude on TV, and it's better than having Tony Schiavone say he's going to interview him. And for the these things been there for what three full months now, and probably twelve dynamites, and out of ten of them, he's probably been supposed to talk to Tony Schiavone in yeah, some way right. capacity. So I was all I was I was happy to see him still on the show in a role that made sense. It was logical and. Uh, overall, I mean, a solid dynamite. Not not the best, not the worst. Just a solid C plus show. Yeah, good dynamite. Uh, a lot of stuff going on here. A lot of stories to try to keep track of. Like we talked about earlier, maybe a little bit too much extra meat in the sandwich for this show. Um, but your your main guys, your Omegas, your Bucks, your Moxleys, and even so, uh, like your Hangman Page. Their stories continue to progress, and we shall see how those wind up taking place uh, in the weeks to come. And not only in the weeks to come on Dynamite, but like we've stated before, Dark, Dark Elevation, as well as Impact. So, And being the elite, there's a lot of AEW yeah. content that you, that you need to keep up with to know what the hell's going on. Uh, when you're a guy like me that just watches Wednesday between 8 and 10, um, I'm very thankful that Nick is in the loop on everything happening here because it helps me understand the show better. And for those of you who only who are like me and only watch from 8 to 10 on Wednesday, that's why Nick Braxton is here to give us all the inside info uh, that we might have missed on those internet programs and impact are, as well. Are you, are you telling me I'm outworking everyone? I would say, yeah, you're outworking everyone. You're the Christian Cage of this podcast. I, well, yeah, minus 13, 14 years, but we're good, yeah. <laughs> and, and also minus X amount of world championships, but nonetheless. Hey, you know what? Probably X minus X amount of concussions as well. Yeah, maybe. Good for you there, Nick. I think <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've had my brain scrambled a few times. Yeah, 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 yeah this is true, but I mean... Yeah, he was in a lot of ladder matches that you man was. That is true. A lot of concertos he gave and received. That was when they didn't give a fuck about protecting the head either. <laughs> well, that was when CTE was just three letters in the alphabet. <laughs> Indeed it was. Oh, man. I was going to say it was Christian Test and Edge, but uh, it wasn't quick enough with that. <laughs> oh, Bud Light boys under the local uh, local folks here. I remember. I have I found a uh, a poster, a promotional poster from way back when, in some late '90s, and it's got. And let me see if I can find this real quick because this is funny. You want to talk about local stuff? This is this has some local guys, but it's. Got it's 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 from Canada. So hold on one second. Out the show. So Nick's trying to pull up. What we're alluding to here is uh in the local independent wrestling scene here in Michigan, which Nick and I have been part of for a long time, much longer than I have, um, as we've alluded to in the past. But uh, Edge and Christian were frequently here. Um, Sexton Hardcastle and Christian Cage and. Uh, Tests and Joey Legend all had a group. Uh, uh, Tests wasn't around very much. Uh, I only remember one show I went to that he was on with, with them. They called them the Bud Light Boys. And um, 
I think it was an ICW show in Lincoln Park is what I saw. But what do we got here? Is IWA. International Wrestling Alliance. I'm going to show you the, the top four billing names real quick. You have Doink the Famous Clown, Debbie Combs, Malia Hosaka, and Alexis Machine. But as we flip this over, and this is the IWA Slamboree Tour. I have no idea what year this is. But you get good old Adam Impact. Yeah, that's Edge. The Natural. That's Don Callis. And the Man Beast, Rhino, Scott Steiner. <laughs> it's definitely Rhino. Who was, was that? Go flip it back over. Because that one picture, the guy on the end. Alexis Machine? It looked like Chris Benoit when you first showed that. Oh, no. <laughs> so I thought it was. Well, I was yep. like, man, they're just grabbing pictures. I do want to get this signed by Rhino Scott Steiner, though. I think that would be hilarious. I Yeah, definitely will be. That's definitely something I'll... Uh, oh, next time, uh, yeah, no, I can probably make that happen. But anyhow, anything closing thoughts? Anything we should uh, keep in the loop here before we end this sucker? No, just... Check out Dynamite on Wednesday nights. We've got Elevation Dark on Mondays on YouTube. Dark on Tuesdays on YouTube. Impact on Access right now on Tuesdays. Getting ready to move to Thursdays, April 8th. How they have a special on Impact Plus. I think it's April 10th, Hardcore Justice. And their pay-per-view rebellion will have many or at least one AEW superstar on there for sure and Kenny Omega so keep your eyes on impact if you can't we'll try to bring you as close to the action as possible and bring you up to speed so rate review and subscribe us be nice to see old rich swan make a appearance on AEW in the lead up to that match I feel like it, it has to happen so yeah well we've got we got a month now. April 22nd, I believe, is the yeah. pay-per-view. So, yeah. a lot of time for that interaction. It's going to happen. Weeks. All right. Well, it sounds all exciting to me. Looking forward to Dynamite next week. Looking forward to talking to you. Looking forward to all, hearing all your feedback. You can reach out to uh, – I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Matthew1T underscore Priest. And uh, the show, Ramblings of a Grappleman, also on Instagram, all one word, ramblings of a grappleman, uh, grappleman with M-A-N on the end there, two P's, one L, one E, and an A-R and a G in there as well. But anyways, that's where you can follow us, give some feedback, uh, appreciate it, rate, subscribe, as Nick has said in the past, and we'll catch you guys uh, next week with another episode of the Elite Edition.